You're listening to Business in Balance with Nature. This podcast is brought to you by Business Law and Felser, an organization in the Kingdom of Denmark that is tasked in promoting awareness and growth in a rural region while maintaining its agrarian legacy. A region that is experiencing a high conjuncture thanks to its strategic location in Europe's largest infrastructure project, the Feynman Belt Tunnel, connecting Denmark and Germany. These are the stories of how BLF brings life to their vision of bringing business in balance with nature. My name is Chris and I'm your host. Listen in. Season one follows a bold and ambitious concept aimed at attracting promising, high potential and scalable companies into the region. And you'll hear their stories on how they strive to create a business that is both financially sustainable and have a positive impact on the environment. Welcome to the studio, Sylvia. And you are from the company Agrova from Hungary. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about your background and your company and the products? Yes. First of all, thank you for having me here. Yes, I'm from Agrova and the the company was founded in 1993, so 20, 27 years ago, actually. Um, and the founders um, uh, dedicated their life um, to isolate and to develop um, soil bacterias and uh, to um, develop um, soil bacteria preparations, which can be used as a natural fertilizers for the soil. Actually, the company produces uh, three different kind of um, uh, bacteria preparations. Um, these are all um, soil inoculants, so it has to be turned in the soil. And these preparations contains only naturally occurring bacteria strains. So it, uh, these preparations can be used in organic farming and in conventional farming as well. Um, we claim to uh, raise the yield um, per hectare at least 5%, but uh, obviously the result of our preparations differs. Um, it, uh, there are many effects uh, which affect the yield. It's just like the weather and the soil type, the farmers use mm, the preparations and so on. Um, but basically what these bacteria do um, is just like a prebiotic for the soil. So a lot of people don't know uh, what a wonderful word is inside of a, uh, of a soil. Um, so actually, in a teaspoon of soil, there are more living organisms than people have ever lived on the planet. So it's just a wonderful living organism in the soil. And um, we keep forgetting uh, that, this, that the soil is something living and not just a, a given thing uh, where we can grow uh, our crops. Uh, so it's actually just like our body, which has uh, more bacteria than human cells in it. But if we don't take care of these bacteria, these useful bacteria, then our body cannot perform. So this is the same with the soil. If we don't take care of the soil health and the organism living in the soil, uh, the, the soil and the crop won't perform either. So everything is correlated with each other. Um, and this is what we want to solve, actually. Uh, since 1970, um, we have lost one-third of our topsoil um, throughout the world. And if we continue doing what we are doing now, 
according to the United Nations, the world remaining topsoil will disappear in 60 years. So the way how we're farming is unsustainable. And this is what we want to change um, by concentrating a little bit more on the soil and not only uh, to the plant what we grow and to the yield. Yeah, that makes sense. For a lot of us who are not living or working in this environment within agriculture, can you explain a little bit what topsoil is and how that is used in planting or cultivating uh, crops? Okay, yeah. So topsoil um, was, um, was created by the nature during uh, thousands and thousands of years. So it take, took a long time to, to get ready, this topsoil layer. And actually this, this layer is just uh, a 30 centimeters deep. Uh, organic matter, well, all, where all the living organisms are uh, within the soil. And these 30 centimeters um, contain all the nutrients, the air, um, the water, what the plant can take up, all the useful bacteria that produce um, uh, nutrients uh, for, for the plant. Um, and this is where, where the plant's root uh, system is growing. So actually, when farming, um, we try to cultivate this top soil layer of the soil. And every time we plow a land and we use artificial fertilizers and chemicals, we destroy a little bit this topsoil mm. layer because uh, as we are plowing, the topsoil layer will um, uh, get drier. Um, the bacteria turn into the top of the of the soil and they die because they get sun sunshine. Um, so. <laughs> and also these chemicals, what we use, uh, they kill uh, the bacteria. So um, this is what we want to change and we, we would like to replace the chemicals um, with our healthy bacteria because this was the way how originally the nature uh, worked and how originally farming developed. Uh, but since we started uh, intensive agriculture, uh, and we try to gain more and more uh, from the same uh, size of land. Uh, we just forget to give back something to the soil. Yeah. And we take everything what we can from that, uh, yeah. that part of land. So you're saying that there's a lot of pressure that's being put on the topsoil in the last, let's just say, 50 years that we have been aggressively um, cultivating. You say that by plowing, we destroy the topsoil or the communities or the biodiversity that has been created during the, the growth process of a certain crop. Doesn't it require the need to prepare the land for the next set of crops? Yeah, actually, uh, it's not a must. So there are many ways you can, you can harvest and grow a plant. Uh, even without plowing, there are no tillage techniques, uh, for example. Uh, but uh, we are not only aiming to change the way of farming. So we, we are not saying to farmers that they shouldn't plow. Um, obviously, um, plowing is needed at a certain level, um, but uh, it can be sustainable 
if we uh, add some some kind of um, let's say bacteria or other nutrients to the soil during uh, plowing so because then those bacteria which turn to the topsoil and die uh, will be replaced by new bacteria and will turn into the soil so we basically then don't kill any bacteria so, so it's more like just, regenerating during the yes, plowing process exactly yeah with all the talk about climate change there are many ways that agriculture contribute to the increase in CO2. I don't think that can be denied. Um, there are a lot of companies that are really trying to, to help with that process, um, as you had mentioned earlier. And it's a great claim that obviously you're not trying to change any methods, but you're just fostering and enabling uh, a more impactful method. How much change or how much of this type of product need to be used in order to alleviate some of that impact, negative impact? Yeah, I'm happy that you raised that question because actually this product also helps um, being and to reduce CO2 emission um, in agriculture because healthy soil absorbs water and CO2 as well, but the damaged soil uh, releases water and CO2. And so the soil dries and, um, and uh, turns into desserts. So uh, actually it's a, it's a global problem that, uh, that two thirds of the world, uh, the uh, agricultural area is desertifying. So uh, since our product, our philosonate liquid bacteria preparations, uh, restore the soil structure, the soil will be able to store more uh, not only nutrients but CO2 as well and this is through uh, through the plant so the plant actually pulls CO2 from the air and uh, for wired forwards this CO2 to the roots and there um, the root system uses it uh, to produce um, more nutrients and uh, to feed these bacteria. So this is a very healthy correlation in the soil between the, the soil bacteria and uh, the plant root system. And by taking care of the soil health and uh, caring about the soil structure, we can also improve uh, the CO2 retention um, of, uh, of the soil as well. But is that a proven fact? that it does that, that that type of method, no tillage, and having these type of natural inoculants does have an impact, a positive impact with regards to CO2 retention. Yes, of course, there are some results uh, carried out by uh, global organizations like uh, United Nations, um, and it has a positive effect um, in decreasing CO2 emission. Of course. You are already in five countries, correct? Yes, that's true. And what kind of crops are you using the products on? Yeah, actually, we have uh, tested our product on many, many different crops. Since um, we are market leaders in Hungary, we have more than 2,000 uh, farmers who are using our products. So we not only carried out official field trials, but have um, our products have been used um, for three decades by now in practice. So we've got a lot of results on different crops. We are very effective in in. Um, 
we claim to have um, at least five or 10% yield increase. Um, but if we talk about uh, root vegetables, then our products are even more effective because um, since our product uh, uh, stimulates root formation, um, this is why uh, in case of, for example, sugar beet or um, potato or different beets, uh, our product can even cause like 20% um, yield increase which is, I think, amazing. <laughs> That's music to a lot of farmers' ears, I think. <laughs> there are certain places in the world where their certification is an, uh, an already a process that is taking place. Would a product like this help to kind of revitalize the soil composition? Yeah, actually it does. Um, because since uh, our product helps um, restructuring the soil, uh, the soil will be able um, to contain more humidity and uh, so the plant will be even more resistant uh, toward heat stress and drought. Yeah, so it helps um, the plant uh, to, to survive these um, uh, stress effects and also uh, keeps the soil uh, vital uh, for a longer time and yeah it helps actually revitalizing the soil. Uh, since the climate is changing, um, mm -hmm. the farmers are faced uh, with different uh, weather conditions from year yeah. to year. And um, our product also helps them to predict the yield better. So it's a kind of insurance for, for the farmers. If they use this product, then they will be able to manage even worse years, worse weather conditions, since the, the plant will be more resistant towards heat and roads. And actually this is a big problem because uh, up to 10% of yield can be lost during an event of uh, drought or heat stress. So it is very critical problem um, for the farmers um, to have an insurance that they, they don't lose um, the, the yield um, in case of, of a bad weather. And you say that because the products help kind of stabilize the quality of the soil. So it maintains a level of predictability when it comes to what they expect as an output. Yeah, that's true. So at least the farmer doesn't need to worry uh, about uh, the yield. <laughs> there are so many, uh, so many things <laughs> they still need to worry about, but we try to help them uh, by, by um, giving this, this tool to their hand. Uh, which um, establish um, predictable yield for them from year to year. Are products like yours widely used in conventional farming? In Hungary, most of our customers are conventional farmers, so it's proved to be very effective um, together with uh, artificial fertilizers and conventional farming methods. But we also have some um, farmers who uh, run ecological farms. Um, their share is a little bit uh, lower, but uh, it's only because in Hungary we running uh, ecological farm is not that popular. 
but actually we have good results um, in ecological farms as well. So I think this product uh, would have great potential um, in Denmark and uh, in other countries uh, which have a high level of agricultural farms and high ratio of agricultural farms. With uh, changing conditions and changing needs and maybe changing demands for different crops, how do you ensure that your product is always on top of the game? Actually, we are uh, in everyday contact with the farmers uh, and we try to develop um, our products according to their needs. So they, they every day um, need what they experience on the field while using our products. And we have a very high-tech laboratory uh, where we can test um, our bacteria. And we also have uh, a so-called phytotron chamber. Um, this is an experimental chamber where we can set uh, different weather, condi weather conditions, um, different uh, humidity, sunlight, heat. So even though we are not uh, in other climate countries with our products, we can simulate that uh, climate within this experiment uh, chamber and we can uh, demonstrate how different crops behave under that climate. So we continuously try to develop our products and we, we try to fit it to different weather conditions, different climates, and also we try to follow the farmer's needs. What has been the biggest uh, developmental change that you have done for your product in the last 20, 30 years? Yeah, actually the biggest innovation what we could manage um, uh, is uh, that we could develop our stable decomposer um, that it became so effective. Um, it helps um, to decompose the dead plant parts and by doing that, um, the land, uh, the soil will get uh, natural nutrients because these dead plant parts contains a lot of nutrients. And uh, these bacteria help um, to decompose and turn it back to the uh, nutrient cycle. So the next crop can be able uh, to take it up. So less fertilizer, less artificial fertilizer is needed. Um, to treat um, the following crop. Looking back at what you have been talking about, the product, the soil health, and the impact it has on the environment, I can't help but think that this should go out to a more mainstream platform so both consumers and producers know about it. What are you doing in order to spread this information and ensure it comes out to the right people? Yeah, actually we do a lot to to move towards a different farming method it requires a lot of edu education and not only on farmers level, but uh, we need to work together with the policy decision makers as well. So uh, we've been issued a lot of uh, educating materials, books, uh, leaflets, and we give it for free for farmers just to educate, educate them and let them know uh, what is happening with their soil. Yeah, and we also uh, started our Philosophic Academy, uh, which is an online platform uh, for farmers. Um, it's free and available for everyone. And um, in short videos, we try to teach farmers how to take care of their soil 
and and what should they do on on their level um, to make um, the soil health better and to make it improve. And when it comes to a higher level, to global level, or even to national level, um, we work together with uh, with the government and we try to incorporate uh, the soil health in, in the education as well. So we would like to make sure that those farmers who just finished co school uh, will get this knowledge about the soil health so they will possibly treat their soil better when they start farming. Do you experience that they are more open to this type of education and change so that you improve farming practices? Policymakers are getting more and more aware of uh, this problem, uh, what uh, bad soil treatments causes uh, with the environment. So we are very happy that um, even more and more um, national governments and also the European Union deals with the question of soil health. Um, previously, um, if it came to uh, the global uh, climate change, they only wanted to fix the, the water scarcity, the CO2 emission, and they, they taught on these issues at, as they are not... Um, in relation, in they don't correlate to each right. other. But uh, nowadays, there is um, a, a little bit change in that happening. And we are happy that, uh, for example, the European Union decided uh, to cut back the nitrogen fertilizer use um, in the EU and also the pesticide use um, in the EU farms. And they also decided that they're uh, going to raise the level of um, ecological farmings because they recognized um, that this is the way uh, what can improve um, the, the whole ecosystem and uh, what can combat um, with um, climate change. Are you aware of any immediate economic impacts by continuing current practices? that are directly impacted by irresponsible farming? Yeah, well, it's not only in uh, my country, but I think it's, um, it's a global issue that um, the soil loses its um, agricultural potential. So actually, since uh, we started using, using chemicals and artificial fertilizers, um, every year more and more fertilizers are needed um, to raise a bushel of grain. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's uh, for today, um, and by today, it's three times higher than it was in 1960. And yeah, this is a big problem. Um, and since they're using an excessive amount of fertilizer, um, this destroys um, the soil structure and the organic matter uh, of the soil. And um, this is not only important for farmers to, to keep this agricultural potential, but also for the country, because um, it is a value of a country for having high potential, high agricultural potential, and it is their national interest to, to reserve that. And I'm guessing that the more you destroy an ecosystem, the more you put synthetic fertilizers and chemicals, the more you're going to need that. So it's a bad circle. 
that is actually happening that you're describing. Yes, actually, yeah. And our product um, helps um, the effect uh, of uh, synthetic fertilizers as well, which means that uh, the farmers won't need that much uh, fertilizer. So it just stops this circle. Do you think it'll be difficult to change farmers' minds about their practices? It and is. what would it take? It is. Um, it's always very difficult uh, because uh, people mostly only act uh, if it becomes critical. And most farmers just don't feel that this is the time uh, when it's already critical. But in some countries, it is it's really the time we need to act and we need to change something differently. Mm. But first, people need to understand the why of a practice before they are comfortable um, trying out something new. Um, this is the case with everything. It's not just about agricultural methods. Uh, and this requires a lot of education. Um, it's a little bit easier when we talk about um, family farms. Because in these cases, um, farmers want to inherit something uh, valuable uh, to the next generation. But most farms don't operate like that. Uh, most of the farms, um, especially those um, who are owned by companies, they don't own the land. So they don't really feel responsible for that land. It's just like in other companies, um, they rent an office, they use it until it's modern and until it's fancy. And once it gets old, uh, they don't care about the painting. They just mm. rent another one. Yeah. This is the case with, uh, with bigger um, companies as well. They, and most of the farms are also um, rented. So most uh, farmers also rent um, the field they, they cultivate. So they don't feel the pressure that uh, they need to take care about the soil. That sounds like pure exploitation of the land, that there is almost no sense of responsibility to what it is that they're doing. And they're just trying to get as much out of it in the amount of years that they have it. Isn't there, aren't there any, aren't there any measures that ensure that whether or not you're a family owned farm or a company owned farm or leased farm that, that are in place in order to prevent that exploitation? That's the regulation, I guess. So it's, um it's something which uh, uh, it comes over our uh, limits. So we really need the government and the decision makers to, to help in that case. Because we can convince some farmers, we can convince family farms, um, but it, they, there are so many other uh, actors in the market that uh, we cannot affect. Yeah. And until we think um, on the land as raw material um, and we exploit its uh, resources, uh, we cannot get good results and we cannot uh, be sustainable. But as soon as we understand that uh, this is not an unlimited and uh, renewable um, resource, we will take care of it. And the solution is simple. It's in our hand. We just need to start acting <laughs> as soon as we can. Mm. So education is one thing because that's information, bringing out the facts. But there's also a lot of behavioral changes that also come to play. Habits, 
that have been passed down from generations, that these behavioral changes have to also be addressed. Because without that, because without that awareness, there's little education, there's little facts can help. Do you agree? Absolutely. Um, people are uh, creatures of habits. So it's uh, very difficult to convince them that they need to do something, something in a different way as they used to. Um, they taught from their parents how to farm, how to um, deal with the soil. And unless they are not convinced that this is not sustainable, they won't change the way how they farm. And this requires a lot of work <laughs> yeah. to convince them. And I'm also thinking if they say, well, I'm earning the same or my output is the same or better, then why should I change? Well, because it gets better. <laughs> yeah. And that is a picture that needs to be shown to farmers that products like, the, like, products like these and innovations like these not only improve their bottom line, but also improve the overall health of their soil. That's true, but uh, and I think at the level of farmer, at the end of the day, it's always the money and the yield uh, what what is important for them. But luckily, our product can improve the yield as well, so it's not only um, um, environmentally uh, sustainable, but uh, economically as well. Do you work closely with education, educational institutions, so that you also have some sort of influence or exercise some sort of influence in regards to new information or real-time information that new potential farmers are going to learn? Yeah, actually, one of the book what we just wrote um, is getting to be acknowledged as um, official um, book in, in education. So we are in close uh, relation with the Hungarian um, educational um, institutions and we try to um, influence the education this way as well, that we write um, books and we give uh, for the schools also for free. And I think that is the right way to go, to convey the information that you know out in the real world to the ones that are going to be working in that real world um, it's great to see that companies like yours are actually active in the educational system. What does the next five years look like for Agrova and Philazonit? Yeah, I hope that the company will um, grow um, bigger um, regarding the foreign markets, what we aim. Um, we are already market leader in Hungary, but we are planning to spread this uh, know-how what we have gained during the three decades in foreign countries as well, because the problem what we're trying to solve is not just a nation um, problem, not just a national problem, but a global one. And we are very happy that uh, actually not just the Hungarian government, but the uh, European Union institutions help our work. Um, by uh, putting regulations in, in force, uh, which help us to, to concentrate more on, on the soil health and which help us, uh, which, which help the farmers to, um, to do their business in a little bit different way than they, they used to do. 
our job is very complex and and it's very difficult because it involves a lot of education and we cannot uh, fulfill mm, this target and what we what we have set to uh, to our company without the help uh, without the help of the government um, so we are actually very happy that um, all the um, the policy makers and all the regulations on on global level are um, going towards this um, this aim there are probably a lot of companies like you who want to encourage change change the practices that are not sustainable how would you say you ensure that you are top of mind at the farmers or policymakers and ensure to continue in this journey we keep going with um, this education uh, what we have done so far and also uh, we don't want to change the world alone uh, we actually um, together with other bacteria fertilizer producers in Hungary uh, we established um, a common organization a kind of interest group so because we realized that if we act together then uh, we can um, get um, better results um, even on, on in Hungary uh, at the government and also on uh, in international level as well um, so yeah we try to cooperate with this different um, research institutes um, Hungarian and also national institutes as well we join to many organizations just to to share the best practice uh, among farmers how do you feel is the competition between companies like yours and companies that produce synthetic fertilizers I think that uh, both kind of products can find uh, its place in in agriculture. Uh, we don't try to replace uh, artificial fertilizers. We know that there is a certain need to use this kind of fertilizers. Uh, if we talk about intensive agriculture, of course. Um, so I think that we are not. We don't think of them. Uh, as competitors in this way. Uh, we think of them that um, we um, complete each other's job because we also help uh, their products um, to, to give better uh, results when it comes to the yield. So I think we, we both can find our place in, in agriculture and in farmers' lives. And I guess that's just really about having good advisors that know when to use what and have, one, the lowest impact or the smallest negative impact and the biggest yield. Is that correct? That's true. Yeah. This is just a good combination of um, yeah. the preparations yeah. what farmers use, yeah. and uh, it it has to fit to the um, to the land, uh, to the pH level of the soil, and to many many aspects what the land has. Yeah. So yeah, it's always the best choice. Um, it's always about the good decision yeah. what the farmer has to make, and mm. actually the advisors are good helpers um, yeah. for us. So if anyone would like to partner up with you talking about your products, 
access your know-how and knowledge base, how would they do that? We have developed an online platform where uh, companies can reach out um, our company, Agrova. It's uh, www.philazonit.com. And we are currently working on um, the official field trials in Denmark. So we really hope that uh, we can sell our products in, in Denmark as soon as possible. And it will be available for the Danish farmers as well. All right. Sounds great. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, good luck. Thank you. Too. You're listening to Business in Balance with Nature. This podcast is brought to you by Business Law and Felster. My name is Chris and I'm your host. 